Hey everyone, it's Megan Bowen, and you are listening to the Unwritten Playbook Podcast, where we showcase how smart and interesting people are breaking away from how things have always been done and charting a new path. We will explore topics ranging from marketing, sales, customer success, and also personal development and leadership themes. Join us to learn from pioneers who are paving the way for what the future brings. Hey everyone, welcome to the Unwritten Playbook, where we talk to interesting people who are rejecting a status quo and paving a new way. I'm really excited for my guest today. We're actually, we've met for the first time about 20 minutes ago, um, but I've been following her on LinkedIn for a while, and I'm sure many of you have as well. Tara Horsmeyer, uh, she's an editor and writer, and we're going to get into a really, really awesome conversation today that really hits on things that I care about as well. But before I get into that, Welcome to the show, Tara. How are you today? I am awesome. Thank you for having me, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. I would love for you to expand on your intro. So tell me more about your story, who you are, what you've done, and why we should care. Oh, awesome. Well, pull up a chair, everyone. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I won't make it too long. Yeah. So like Megan said, um, typically I really start with talking about um, the word editor when I think about that and and what it really means to me. So uh, I'll kind of back into that, but that's, that's kind of the word that I love to think about when I think about my story, when I think about who I am, where I've been and what I've done and why anybody really should care. Honestly, I don't know why anybody should care ever about anything that I have to say, but I really love people. So we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. I'm a, I'm a Florida native. So for anybody who is familiar with the crazy sunshine state, um, it was an amazing, amazing childhood growing up there just because I loved it. But um, I did not grow up in a home like most people, I think, or maybe several people did. You know, I had one of those childhoods that was very much colored by um, parents who communicated one thing but did something else. And being a parent myself, <laughs> I know that that's normal and that's natural and that can happen. But uh, how I really fell in love with just the idea of communication and communicating well was coming from a place that didn't have that as its top priority. And that is not something that I really understood growing up. Um, I just saw the gaps always. So I was like, Hey, they're saying one thing, but they're doing something else. So that's really how I fell in love with, you know what, let's get this right. Not that we're always going to do it right the first time, but let's work to get it right. So, uh, so yeah, so I grew up in Florida, went to the university of Florida where I met my now husband. So we are huge gators, uh, got married a few years after graduation and then moved up here. I say up here to the, the South because in Georgia or Florida, we always say you have to drive North to really get to the South because it's so Florida is so crazy. So, so we're in Georgia, just a little bit outside of Atlanta now. And I have been here for 14 years and absolutely love it. Along the way, uh, I've worked in really cool uh, places. I've had cool jobs, um, starting as an editor, as a copy editor on the sports desk for a newspaper and then moving into private publishing just because, hey, the hours are normal because sports happens on nights and weekends. And as a 20 something, I wanted to uh, have a life. So moved out of that, even though that is still a big love of mine um, into working for a publishing company and uh, spent about gosh five years there as an editor, which it was kind of funny because it's not, I think what most people think it's probably more aligned with customer and client success. Mm. So 
I did edit a lot. Like I copy edited, I proofread, I made things better, but I also worked very closely with sales and with our publishing teams um, up in Winnipeg to make sure that everything was aligned while also being the outward face to our clients, to our association clients and working with them to make sure that they were presenting value to their members while also presenting value to people who wanted to advertise, people Mm -hmm. who wanted to buy into the publication and um, being a design direction for the publications in the 2000s. So even before a lot was online, most of it was still hard copy magazines, directories. uh, So lots of print, which I know we're kind of getting back to and I love it. So, um, so yeah, so I spent several years doing that. Absolutely loved it, but in walked um, a little, a little change in my life in my later twenties. And I became a mom for the first time. And so I spent a year continuing on my editor journey, but uh, stayed home for a season with uh, my then son, well, my then baby, still my son, uh, <laughs> and had another one. I know, right? I'm like, my gosh, now he's 12. And so I did the family thing for a little bit. And um, in that time, I just, you know, I realized I, I really missed working. I really missed the creative challenge. I missed uh, the people, you know, the daily growth that was taken when you're doing just just some more tangible things, you know, not that there's anything wrong or right with one or the other, but I missed that. So, uh, yeah, so I jumped back into the workforce and ended up working in a leadership position in our local church, which it was actually a huge church. <laughs> that a lot of people probably have heard of um, called North Point Community Church. But in that, I was uh, in a leadership position where I led uh, small group leaders and volunteers. So that's where I spent my time, uh, just kind of honing those skills of leadership before moving on to gravy, which a lot of people know and love. And spent, <laughs> oh my gosh, two and a half years on that rocket ship. So I think when I joined, I was like, you know, I just came on part-time and I was probably like number nine or 10, somewhere in there. And now... Oh. Um, they've grown to like 93. So I held a bunch of different roles because of course in a startup, you're not just one thing. You get to do like 50 things mm-hmm. and because, you know, everything, everybody needs a little part of you. And so uh, I think my kind of eclectic background lended itself really well to that journey. And so that's where I am today. And uh, actually I left in December, but I'm still very close with the team, but now I'm um, just pursuing freelance and just, uh, just kind of one-on-one ventures as they go. I love your background. It's really a sprinkle of a little bit of everything, but I feel like, you know, whether it was sort of leadership or, or sales or startup life, um, it, it just allows you to really flex so many different skills. And I think, um, was, thank you for sharing sort of, um, your, your inspiration and of why you love communication so much sort of stemming from your, your childhood and what you witnessed and saw. I'm, um, I'm a huge believer that, um, communication can either like make or break situations. Um, and, and it's everything from your tone, what you're actually saying, what you're saying non-verbally. Um, and it's, it, it's a skill that you have to cultivate and develop and, um, can be, can be really powerful. 
um, and can, you can leverage it for good, but, um, you know, also can be detrimental if things aren't, aren't handled properly or well. So it's a, it's a powerful skill to, to cultivate. And I feel like the topic we're going to get into, we're going to touch on that a little bit as, as well. So, uh, let's set the stage for the rest of the conversation. I'm going to ask you, what is the status quo you reject? And why do you reject it? I, I reject a lot. <laughs> I don't have a list. No, just get the list out. I'm just kidding. Let's pick the one. I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest status quo that I reject is really this need for um, people to be focused a lot more on uh, just the the results that automation, the results that uh, just really depending on people, on not on people, but on things to grow, to change, to develop your company instead of looking at the people. So I absolutely reject not only just communicating like a robot, but really not being focused on the humans that uh, the cost of doing business can leave in your wake. So when you think about um, just putting, you know, extra pressure, putting the gas pedal on, doing a lot to maybe, you know, send a bunch of stuff out the door to depend on just automated everything to reject, to, to actually embrace efficiency and doing things for the sake of efficiency. And instead of doing the same things for the sake of people for doing automation and not humanization. And that's really something that I've become passionate about that. I didn't even know I was passionate about until I got into and started asking the why questions like what's the point of sending all of this, or what's the point of, you know, blasting an email or, you know, doing a whole bunch of things just to hit a certain number when we're losing the people that are doing it along the way. And so it's not, I don't think it's not, hey, people necessarily versus the, you know, robots or anything because everything has a place. But I do think it's rejecting um, this notion that you can get people just to do jobs and then not bring the people along in, within those jobs to do them well and to hit a goal. Okay, maybe you're going to get an extra 10,000 ARR, you're going to get an extra 100,000. But what is the cost that you're losing along the way when it comes to the people that you are putting in those positions to have to perform those tasks without them? I love this topic because it's, you know, and over my like 15 year career in startups, I've certainly seen, um, you know, people look at their business um, in a spreadsheet. Right. And, you know, look at the the people on the team as as costs um, or, you know, see that um, certain people didn't hit a goal and and dismiss them as being able to be successful in their role. Right. Um, and so many decisions are made on what the numbers say, what the data says, what the spreadsheet shows, what the report or the dashboard in Salesforce, uh, you know, is, is reporting on. And it's um, it's disheartening to me that so many of those decisions are made without actually understanding, like, what is the context? Who are the people like what's actually happening in real life? What assumptions went into your spreadsheet that made you think all of this could happen and then expect these people to do it? Um, you know, even if these goals were set, you know, arbitrarily or backed into because of some promise that was made to, to some investor or something like that. And so um, this is really prevalent. Right. Or, you know, in the in the context of a a seller, um, or even a, a company with like many customers, you mentioned like, let's just send out this email blast, the same message to everyone, or, you know, throw them in, into the sequence. And I do believe there's a, 
time and a place for technology, right? It should, it can augment what you're doing and, um, you know, it can sort of throw fuel to that fire. But if you lose sight of the person, whether it's in a sales conversation, whether, you know, they're someone on your team, um, I just feel like you're leaving so much potential on the table. hundred percent, thousand percent. You know, I, one of the things that I say a lot is, um, make sure that your processes are serving the people and the people aren't serving your processes. Like there is, you need both. This isn't a throw out, you know, the baby with the bathwater conversation. You need technology. You need all of that. Everything works in its place, but I think it's just been a, we're getting things out of order or we're jumping too, too far, too fast ahead. And we are leaving an absolute wake in the bushes of people, you know, behind us. And uh, what's the point of that, you know? And, and so I think as I've grown and maybe it's because I've had many a year of experience, you know, especially starting in a very, um, you know, professional environment, being an editor at a publishing company. I mean, it's like, my gosh, you've got to be almost robotic in how you do things, you know, mm-hmm. and then going from that to living life, to, you know, going through to a completely uh, people heavy centered where there's also problems with that. Cause I'm like, what are, what is the data? What is our, you know, retention rate when it comes to volunteers? Like, I want to know that, but when we mix those two up and they don't serve a purpose and specifically when we have things that are not serving our people well and not helping them get to the end result, then what's the point, you know? And so mm-hmm. that's the conversation that I think needs to happen. Not, Hey, we need to just scrap everything and all these, you know, advances we've made over the last 20 years plus, and uh, just go back to one-to-one combat constantly. No, I think there's a way that you can blend both, but I do think that we have just gotten way too far on the other side where we're just doing things again in the name of efficiency rather than doing it in the name of humanity. And I think we forget on the other side of every interaction is another person. And yes, is another human who, guess what, wants to talk to another human and wants to feel like they've been treated like another human. It's not anymore. You know, this used Mm -hmm. to be a couple years ago, like, oh, wow, they, they personalized or they said my name. Like, that's amazing. Now (laughs) it is expected. If you're not doing the bare minimum anymore, it's not even a nice to, it's a have to. Like, and so if you're not, you are so far behind the game. But the great thing is it just takes a mindset and just some few simple tweaks that we can talk about um, just to really help catch up and just to remember what is the point, you know, really what is the point of business? Yeah, I love this. And, you know, I think I, I, as a leader in, in, in a variety of situations, I've really seen sort of both, both sides I've seen where, um, you know, and I've certainly made mistakes in my own leadership career where I was so, you know, sort of laser focused on hitting a particular number, um, and was pushing people, pushing people, pushing people to like figure out any way to get there. Um, and if you take the wrong approach, you'll fail, you'll miss the mark. And, and it's what I've learned is if you actually really just take the time, you know, even speaking within a context of like leading an internal team, um, if you actually take the time to get to know the people on your team, understand why they're doing what they're doing, um, understand what's happening in their life too. Right. And giving them grace. Um, you know, everyone has tough periods in life. Um, but then tapping into, um, into that, why, providing them the support, 
treating them with empathy, um, people will amaze you with the things that they can accomplish if, if you treat them correctly. And so it's like, it, it maybe some people think it's counterintuitive, but if you actually focus less on the goal and more on the person, like they'll figure out how to get to that goal. Um, and, and that's really like, that was a mind mindset shift I made middle in my, in my career. Um, and it really made a huge, huge difference, um, in, in how I approach things before we get into some of the tactics of like how we can address this or solve this, um, why did we get here? How do you think this became so normal? Mm. Well, <laughs> I think it is true. I think you're right. I think it's when people started to see, you know, predictable success and it's like, Hey, if we do X and we put enough bodies on X, then we are going to hit Y. And then we all of a sudden forgot about the X and we just focused on the Y because mm-hmm. anytime you aim for revenue, you're going to miss and, and, and you really throw out the relationships along the way, you're going to miss both. But if you really aim for the relationship, the people, the human building side, you're going to get both. You're going to get the revenue thrown in exactly like you said. So I think it's not a, it wasn't a matter of, okay, this one little thing that we did. I think it's just as a, you know, as a business organization looked to, Hey, we can now take the unpredictability out of things and we can make things predictable. And this is great. We love predictable. What would they forget? Humans are not predictable. So what you're <laughs> doing by saying we're going to get too predictable, you know, and I'm not bashing predictable revenue brand or anything, but when you're just trying to get to a place too quickly or in a place that doesn't make organic sense to you and to, to your people, um, and you're throwing that out, then again, what you're doing is you're dehumanizing everything that it takes to get to that place. And you're forgetting that there are people behind every, you know, sequence behind every action that you're asking them to do. And you're taking along their humanity when you're trying to make them predictable and their reactions and their successes and everything else predictable too. But you're stripping the human from the, um, you're just stripping the human from your business. And that is going to, yes, maybe you'll hit your target and maybe you'll hit your number. But again, what are we losing along the way. And yeah. that is, you know, not necessarily how we got here. I don't think anybody sits in a boardroom and is like, how can we strip all of our sales reps or all of our SDRs or all of our marketers of their humanity? No, of course not. But you're so focused on the number and you're just so focused on, we've got to get here. We've got to get here. And all I think we should do is just ask why. Yeah. That's, that's the important thing. What came to mind for me is I think it's just, um, like, I, yeah, I don't think it's malicious intent that's, that's behind it. Um, but I think it's like the easy way out, right? It's like, oh, to your point, like, oh, um, it's a numbers game. If I just do this thing enough, then I'll get this result that I need. Um, and when you add in layers of technology um, or, or layers of like sort of bureaucratic management, the, that decision maker, um, it's sort of an easy thing to decide to get there. Um, and you're kind of like a little too far away from the people that are impacted by that decision. So you're maybe not even really seeing some of the negative negative repercussions or negative consequences of that decision. Um, and it's just the, the easy way. Like I always believe that there is a way to lead with a human first approach and hit your business and revenue goals. Like you can do both, but it's hard. 
Yeah. And, and there's not a, there's not a roadmap or there's not a playbook for that. Like you have to understand what your context is and you have to continue to try new things until you can figure out a way that you can do both. And sometimes I think whether it's pressure to hit a number um, or you're running out of money or whatever it is, people are like, Oh, I don't even know how to get there. I don't know. You know, instead of doing the hard work, I'm just going to kind of take, take the easy road. So I think it's sort of like the easy choice. And then I think like the, really like the space between the people making those decisions and like the negative consequences of that, they're so far away that they probably don't even fully realize some of the negative consequences that are happening. So those were a couple of things that came to mind of just like, how did we get here? Why is this, why is this so normal now? Um, Cause objectively it kind of is. Um, if you look at the landscape, I do think we're starting to see, a shift in the right direction. We were talking a little bit about this before we hit record, right? Of like, it's a little more in vogue now to like, you know, lead, you know, be more human and, you know, be more real. Um, so maybe a good segue if we're kind of starting to see a little bit of that shift, what are, what are some ways, um, you know, and I know you've talked about this a lot, especially with your time, you know, at gravy and even talking about, um, you know, working with a large, uh, volunteer population and motivating them to get, to get things done without a paycheck. Right. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way about, you know, how to do both, how to, how to be successful and hit your goals, but, you know, not, not lose, lose your humanity in in, in the process. Mm. That's a great question. And it's one that I think just gets me going because I do think there, there is a way to do both. I mean, people do both all the time. We may just not see it and you're right. You're, it's going to potentially be messier. It's going to be harder. It's going to be unpredictable. And it's going to lead you on a journey that maybe as a manager, as a leader, you didn't necessarily tend to go on. So you're right. I think it starts number one with knowing your people and it's no, and it is getting, it doesn't matter if you are 10 steps ahead, you know, or removed from who's actually going to be doing the work as a leader. You've got to come off, you know, off of kind of your ledge and get down into the people and really every decision and filter it through who's going to be impacted and um, how is this going to change them? Again, this doesn't mean it's a wrong decision. It just means taking, taking the time to stop and ask and to really put a human next to that number, put a human on the other side of that quota and say, okay, not is this possible? Can they hit it? But again, just it's a cost benefit analysis. What what will be the cost if someone does give it all and, you know, burns out for 30 days, races toward this number? Well, guess what? Now you've got bigger problems on your hands, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm going to deal with burned down employees, with churn, with, you know, again, it's like, okay, maybe we hit this crazy number, but we've actually lost when you lay down the numbers, because now you're having turnover and you're having all of these other issues that, um, you know, just happen when you've got something unrealistic. And when you are, you have that gap, when you have that really, you know, a wide gap between leadership, making that decision and the people who are actually in, uh, impacted. So definitely Mm -hmm. first step is going and talking to them. But I think once you're there and this is where I let it, like once you roll up your sleeves and you are that manager, you are that leader and you do have that team or you're an IC and you're, you still have a team of one, even if it's just you, you're in charge of you. Uh, I do think that this is where the great work of getting to know your people is awesome because the end result is not to be like, okay, let's all just sit around and sing Kumbaya and (laughs) not get any work done because I believe at our 
hardcore. People want to be successful. They want to hit oh, that yeah. number. They don't want to just hit that number. They want to blow that number out. They want to make you happy as their boss and as their leader. And they want to make themselves feel fulfilled that, hey, I did this. So I, I believe in my core, you know, put those stretch goals out there. Be, you know, like be goal oriented and target. I love that. I'm like, give me a metric all day long, you know, because yeah. it gives me something to go after and it's exciting and it's fun. But as a leader, I'm sitting here looking at whatever it is that we're defining as success for your new SDR, for your marketer, for your next email campaign, whatever it is, um, doing it through the eyes of, hey, how can this actually help this person, person A, we're not talking about person C, because they may have the same title, completely different people. How can it help them be fulfilled feel successful, be more impactful and whatever it is that motivates them to wake up every day and hit that gas, you know, Mm -hmm. this person, a, it might be that they're going to get that big bonus and they've got a new baby on the way and they've got all these things. Awesome. I know how I'm going to motivate them for person C. It could be something different. Like they had a really crappy experience and culture at their last company. And all they need is to feel like, appreciated in a company-wide Slack message because they booked their first meeting, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. but when you know those things, when you take the time to do the hard work, to get out and to get down with the people who you are leading and serving, um, when you take the hard time to do that, then you actually end up with so much more because people do want to be successful. They want to crush their goals. They want to bring in revenue for the company and advance their career. This isn't a, either you're a soft, you know, person or you've got hard skill. This is a a mesh of both where everybody wins, you know? And so it's not going to happen all the time, but I do think it absolutely is possible when you're holding both and not elevating one over the other. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've also found is really powerful with respect to this. And honestly, whether you're dealing with um, like your internal team, whether you're dealing with a customer, whether you're dealing with a prospect, um, you need to create like a psychologically safe space for people. And if you can effectively do that and let people put their guard down um, and be real with you, regardless of that context, Um, you're going to get to sort of either the truth, whether it's going to be a successful outcome or, Hey, actually now I'm realizing we're not going to get to that. Um, but that sometimes is just as valuable to know if something is like not going to work versus if it is going to work. Right. And I think, um, I don't know whether it's social media or, or whatever it is, but so many people I think feel like, especially at work or even with prospects and customers, I have to put up this front. I have to be perfect. I have to, you know, get everything right. Um, And what I've found is if you can like really leverage, um, you know, an appropriate level of vulnerability and you can create space for people to just share their truth and honestly communicate what is happening, um, that becomes really powerful, I think, in leveraging it in all of these d- different situations. And I also ha- like my firm belief, especially if you're building like an internal high performing team, that is a hundred percent necessary ingredient, um, that you have to establish early on. Um, if people are going to do the best work of their life, right. Or do things that they previously thought were, were impossible. So I think that's a really important ingredient. And I think the way to create psychological safety is, um, as a leader, you have to admit your mistakes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you have to lead by example. You know, you have to be vulnerable when you're having a bad day or, you know, something going on in your personal life is impacting your mood. Um, you know, take, take time off to show the team that they can take time off when someone else on the team makes a mistake. Um, don't, shame them for it. Um, you know, celebrate the fact that they tried something and, you know, we say something at my, at our company right now, like we either succeed or we learn, we never fail. Right. Um, and so, um, and even celebrating that when like you tried that it's cool. It didn't work out. Like, that's awesome that you tried, like that matters more than whatever that outcome is. And so there are really simple tactical things that people can do. And you can do that with customers and you can do that with prospects too. Right. Especially if things are like going a little sideways with the customer, it's like, Oh man, like, I feel like maybe we're letting you down. Like, I'd really like to know how you're feeling and what's going on. Like it's not, you know, things don't feel right. Um, I want to take responsibility for my part in it. How are you feeling about things? What are you seeing? What's not working for you? Right. Like if you can approach a difficult or sticky client conversation in that way, they're going to let their guard down and open up. And then, you know, then, you know what you need to know to move forward uh, one way or another. (laughs) Absolutely. And you've hit it too, because, you know, we keep kind of skirting around it a little bit, but it really comes back to communication, you know, vulnerable Mm -hmm. communication, safe communication, anything that you can do, curious communication. When you see that there is a gap, when you see, Hey, I think they're, they're implying this, or maybe they've had a bad experience or with your team member, you know, maybe they're just, they're kind of giving off the vibe where they're not communicating well in Slack or whatever it is. That is your cue as a leader, as a human to lean in instead of pull back, you know? And so I think, you know, we try to make things so much more difficult. And this is another byproduct, I think, of trying to process too much, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to have a system and a step for absolutely everything. When it's like, literally, if this, you know, if, if you and I were on a team together and we're trying to be perfect and put up this front and communicate, how are we ever going to communicate? Instead, if you just said, you know what? throw out the paper. Like, how would I talk to Megan if she's having a bad day? Or if maybe I said something and it it didn't seem like it was coming off well, or friend, anybody, you would not sit here saying, okay, I've got to go by this script and I've got to make sure I do this and say, like, be a robot. Like you would just be like, oh my gosh, you what's going on? What can I do? What did I do? Can I listen? Can I be, or you would be a normal person, you know, but all of a sudden we get a computer in our face and we forget how to be people. You know, and and I think that in some ways the last year has exacerbated that because you have to work extra to communicate and to talk to each other and to understand that. And in some ways, like you're saying, I really think it is it's, you know, shown a spotlight on the need that we all really crave being a human because we can't just go up to a cubicle next to us and have the people conversation. And so because of that, maybe that took the edge off of all of this other crappy communication I was sending out or non-personal, you know, we don't have that anymore. So everything now is really coming to light of, Hey, is this something or a conversation that I'm having with like, as me with the other person? And are we Mm -hmm. getting are we getting what we need accomplished as a normal human? That's so true, man. I feel like we could just keep going down this, down this thread, but to, to wrap us up, I have two fun questions. Would love to get your, your hot take on both. And so let's do a little uh, future cast 10 years from now, maybe robots do exist. Um, what, what do you hope is true as it relates to everything that we're talking about? 
Yeah. Well, in 10 years, honestly, I hope that we as a people are not having to rewire who we are. You know, I think coming out, I, I really hope that how we communicate with each other, how we write emails, how we, you know, dance on TikTok, how we're on LinkedIn, <laughs> how we're prospecting and having demos and meetings. I just think that if in 10 years we do nothing else, but we drop the need again, not to not be professional, whatever that means, you know, but I think really drop like just the need to be so cut and dry and formal and instead just talk to each other as normal people. Just present what you need to present, ask questions, you know, just be a normal person. So I do think that we are going in that way. And I think it's really fun because I do think the next generation coming up, they don't know what the heck we're talking about when we say dear sir or madam. Yeah. <laughs> like we're crazy. But there is going to be a gap for a while of people like me who are trained in to being a formal editor that have had to basically, you know, rewire my brain to just be a human when it comes to being professional and that you can be serious about what you do without being serious about who you are. Yeah. I love that. That's a good, that's a great quotable quote right there. Um, we talked a lot about a lot of different things, a lot of takeaways, but if there was just one thing the people listening to this episode would remember, what would you want it to be? Well, I think be yourself. <laughs> and it's so cliche that I hate it. I almost don't even want to say it. But what I mean is even in being trying to be yourself, don't try to be yourself as in the person that you think other people want you to be. If you're serious, be serious. If you're a thinker, be a thinker. If you are hilarious, be funny. Anytime you are communicating, if you are an introvert and you want to come, you know, to this person, to the person that you are trying to prospect and be like, Hey, I know I want them to know, like, and trust me. So if I am an educated, if I'm an expert, if I'm again, I'm fun and I'm funny, bring all of that. So even if we go to the extreme other end where everybody comes out of this saying, Hey, to be me, that means I've got to be now over the top and I've got to be a video superstar. I'm a big fan of video. But if you hate that and you're like, no, being me actually means showing up fully on a post or on a text or written, do that. You know, I think that once we drop the need of being me means to be someone else, we are going to be communicating. We are going to be getting those conversations, those connections, those sales system, and we're just going to be happy. It's going to be sustainable. We are finally going to be talking and connecting with other people as the person we were made to be. I love that. Like living a life true to yourself. There's nothing more important than that. Um, I really love this conversation. Um, I, for people listening, if they want to learn more about you or find you online, where should they go? Straight to LinkedIn. <laughs> That's where I hang out. And unlike other people, I really, my DMs aren't like crazy off the chain all the time. So shoot me a DM on LinkedIn. <laughs> I miss it. I love talking to people. So anytime, anywhere, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining the show, Tara. This was such a great conversation. Um, I think we touched on something super important and uh, it was a pleasure to, to chat with you about this. I hope that we find an excuse to talk again soon. I hope so too. Thanks, Megan. Thanks everyone.